This episode of the Brutally Speaking Podcast is brought to you by On Point Pomade. Keep your beard and hair looking on point with their line of pomades and beard oils over at onpointpomade.com. Use our code BSP15 at checkout and get 15% off your total purchase order. So thanks again to On Point Pomade for sponsoring our show. This episode is also sponsored by The Bean Bastard Coffee. Head over to TheBeanBastard.com and pick up any one of their delicious hand-roasted coffees. Coffee lovers will also enjoy their hand-cut and handmade espresso candles and soaps as well. If you're in the Buffalo, New York area, head to their store located at 448 Elmwood Avenue. And thanks again to The Bean Bastard for supporting this show. Brutally Speaking Podcast is proudly sponsored by Rockabilia.com. With over 500,000 officially licensed items in their online store, you're guaranteed to find something you need. Use our code BRUTALLY and get 10% off your total purchase order. Now on to the show. People say you have to have a lot of passion for what you're doing. This rings true because it's so hard that if you don't, any rational person would give up. It's really hard. You have to do it over a sustained period of time. So if you don't love it, and if you're not having fun doing it, you're going to give up. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Brutally Speaking Podcast. I am your host, John. And this episode's guest is guitarist Evan Phelps of Holy Fawn. They put out a great new record, Dimensional Bleed. It is out now. Hopefully you are enjoying it, and hopefully you know who Evan is and you're aware of Holy Fawn uh, if you're listening to this. But uh, it was interesting. Uh, I've been hearing the name Holy Fawn for a little bit. Uh, a lot of the the more music people uh, that I listen to on podcasts and, and friends with have been kind of pumping this new record. Everyone was very uh, adamant about how great it was, and, and finally I gave in and listened to it, and I listened to it a lot uh, in a very short amount of time before talking with Evan. And, you know, I kind of want to, this, this conversation is interesting for a, a multitude of reasons for me very recently. Um, you know, as the show is fastly approaching episode 400, also the six year anniversary of the show is quickly approaching. I was reminded during this chat, uh, which had some technical difficulties of honestly, how the show started, uh, how I used to do the show, how I would record the show. And what I mean by that is, you know, this show started off, on StreamYard, just like most of the conversations do. And Evan was having some technical difficulties. Uh, the band was on the road. They pulled over for Evan to do this chat and probably get some snacks or something. But uh, the band had to, you know, finish traveling to the, the venue for the day. And it was one of those things where I was trying to be mindful of the band's time. And, you know, I know they're on the road and stuff like that. So, you know, signal is kind of sketchy at best sometimes. And we were just, I basically lost Evan, you know, probably about 20 minutes into the chat. And I was like, okay, fuck it. Let's try doing Skype. And that's how I used to do it. But he had a Canadian number. So I tried adding Canadian uh, landlines and all that stuff uh, and phones to my Skype plan. So I could just call him. That didn't work. And then it was like, all right, what the fuck am I doing wrong? Tried a different phone number. That didn't really work. Then I literally resorted back to how I started recording the podcast, which is I grabbed my phone and I was going to hold it to the other side of my microphone that I'm using right now and just record it with the speaker on uh, so I could still hear. 
and you could hear the audio back. That is literally how I used to record the podcast. I either used my phone or my iPad at the time, and I would just plop it on the other side of my microphone. And when I would show people how I did it, a lot of people looked at me just agape, like mouth agape, just like, holy shit, I can't believe that is how you recorded this. And it sounds as good as it does because it should not. And it was one of those things where when the chat was done, I just kind of laughed at like that was my first instinct was to just like, fuck it, I'll just grab my phone and I'll put it on the other side and we are just going to like sticks and glue this thing together, MacGyver it the best I can to get it done, but I'm not going to reschedule. I'm not going to like kind of try to chop together, you know, two days worth of conversations together because, you know, I think that's disingenuous and it's hard to recreate the magic of where you were in an actual conversation. So um, it was funny to just kind of be reminded and literally go through the regression of how I used to record the podcast with StreamYard to Skype to to literally just holding a phone on speaker on the other side of a microphone. Um, so it was really interesting. Uh, the other thing that I found interesting is, you know, recently, you know, with like the episode with Tanner, uh, with Chris from Poison the Well, you know, I've, it's kind of been well documented. Uh, me taking, you know, various uh, psychedelics and so forth. And, and obviously, you know, I've not been shy about how uh, smoking marijuana before bed has actually helped me get better sleep consistently than I used to. And it's one of those things where, you know, I, I don't typically have any bad experiences with anything because I kind of know what I can take and I, I respect everything as you should. Uh, but the other night I was reminded... Uh, how potent and how fucked up you can get on weed. Uh, I took some edibles uh, from a friend of mine. I had a day off, so I was like, whatever. And holy shit, do these like 20 milligrams or the edibles kick in uh, <laughs> when I was at a bar hanging out with my wife and a friend. And so much so that I just became very aware of everything to the point of like being like, I'm not moving enough. I'm not talking enough. Is that can everyone see? Like, I feel like my body weighs like a million pounds and it's just hard to even move. Does everyone see this? And at one point when we were driving home, my wife was like, are you okay? Do you need the window rolled down? Are you going to throw up? And I was like, no. And then in my head, I'm like, am I? Will I? I don't know. Can you? <laughs> and the thing, though, that kind of reminded me of of even this chat was uh, Wonderful Tonight was on the radio in our Uber. And it's a great song. Love the song. Love the guitar uh, in it. Love Eric Clapton's voice, his lyrics, everything. Everything about that song is great. It was the first time I've ever noticed, like, what I'll call, like, the splash symbol or something that was going on in it. I've never noticed this is, like, perfectly mixed sounding kind of noise, like, as the, the guitar line's going. And I was so, like I said, so fucking high that I was just like, how have I never noticed this before? And then I kept wondering, like, how did they do it? Like, was it a one take? Is it just a copy and paste? Like, well, back then they didn't have copy and paste. You had to play it to tape. Like, you know, all these kind of things. Like, I just got so lost in, in thinking about it. But it was funny because in thinking about prepping to do this intro outro for this episode... It reminded me that that's the beauty of taking in music differently, that sometimes you'll notice something different that you've never noticed in a song you've listened to for 20 years, 30 years. And it's wild that like things can do that because, you know, the there's a saying, I forget who said it, but the the true definition of insanity is doing the same thing repeatedly the same and expecting different results. Uh, and to me, what's interesting about that thought is that music is the only thing that isn't that way like I can listen to something the same the same song as it exists 
I can listen to it and it it has different results based on am I like am I happy? Am I sad? Am I driving? Is it daytime? Is it nighttime? Am I drinking? Am I smoking? Am I like whatever? Like am I around other people and we're we're having you know fun with it? Like it's it's so interesting to think about how music can literally you can find different things about it based on how you're taking it. Did you hit shuffle? Like, I know that sounds like such a weird thing, but like hitting shuffle on your favorite record, man, that is a game changer. It makes a record sound brand new all over again because you don't know what's coming. When you when you live with a record or when music exists the way it does, I think we just ex- we just take it in that way and we think about it that it existing only that way. But sometimes shuffling and, and doing that even in your life will open up new experiences with old experiences, like you could, you can kind of do that and have new experiences with something, with something that's old. And it's, uh, it's, it's really interesting to kind of go through life and kind of have different experiences like that. Um, all of that said, I'm going to stop blabbing in this intro. Let's get into my conversation with Evan and I will talk to you on the other side of it. Um, first of all, I guess I'm sorry you're in Ohio. <laughs> no worries. It's, it's as, not that bad. I was going to say, as someone who lives in Michigan and is a Michigan football fan, we, we pretty much despise Ohio. I get that, yeah. Um, it's, it's kind of a bummer because uh, you guys are going to be in Ferndale uh, tomorrow if my... Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I will be... Because we were supposed to try to do this in person. I was like, I'm sorry. I'm going to see Alexis on fire for the first time ever. And I have been waiting so long to go see that band that I just can't let another opportunity slip since they don't tour much anymore. Yeah, no, I, I totally understandable. I mean, uh, we'll we'll be around. <laughs> we'll probably be <laughs> back through Michigan within the next couple times in the next year, probably. So, what? Uh, I mean, I think that that's kind of interesting because it's something a few different realms of that where I feel like musicians sometimes they either hear they're like so jaded from being on tour that the last thing they want to do is go see a band and go see shows. Is that something that you or any of the guys have really experienced or are you still kind of a fan of going to see bands and still a fan of live music? Um, you know, for a little bit there after we started like really touring heavily, I felt that way after going home where it was like, uh, it wasn't so much like being jaded or, or anything like that. It was just like going to the show after getting back from tour. And it, it just like stressed me out. Cause I felt like I was like always like on call or like waiting to play or like how to like load out or just like had all those like extra thoughts that, you know, pertain to like the working part of playing a show. And so it was kind of hard for me to like sit there and enjoy a show. Cause I was just watching all like the background pieces move where it'd be like, you know, like the merch person running out to get more merch or like watching bands like load off a stage real quick and stuff like that. And so I was like, man, this is like borderline stressing me out. But eventually I got <laughs> over that and, and now I can go to shows again and I, I don't necessarily feel that way. But no, we all pretty much go to shows still uh, fairly often. Um, I think Ryan probably goes to the most. Uh, and then me and Alex, we go to a decent amount as well. Austin, not so much. He's I feel like Austin's never really been a big uh, concert person, which is kind of funny. 
given his position in the band. <laughs> <laughs> I do find it interesting because it's like I used to book shows and like you want to ruin something that you love and are passionate about learn more of the behind the scenes of how something works Mm -hmm. because then all you do then is focus. Like you said, like as you're talking about, you know, I'm looking at the merch person going to get more merch and I'm sitting there going like, I can totally see that. And then I'll look at that same merch and go, huh, that seems a bit high. I wonder if like the price cut here or the, uh, the merch cut is like 25 or 30%. Mm-hmm. And that's what the hike in price is. Cause I swear, like I saw this band previously at another venue and everything was like $10 less. So it's like just weird things. Like when you start getting immersed in it, where you're just like, I know too much. It's like the wizard of Oz thing I've seen behind the curtain and now yeah. everything's ruined. There's, there's definitely aspects of like that, just like the music scene or community in general, where it, it like, some things kind of like lose the magic, you know, whereas, you know, before you're just like being blissfully ignorant on, you know, how <laughs> things go. But then, yeah, you see like little things like that. Yeah. Like, like the merch prices, for instance, that's a really good example. <laughs> then it's just like when you're at the show, that's like what you're thinking about versus like, oh, I'm having a great time at a show, you know. So it is a double edged sword, I guess, there. But yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a. Uh... It's been really interesting, like, and I, and I feel like a lot of bands, like, I haven't really brought this up on the show, but it's something that's kind of interesting is, you know, in fact, in light of everyone kind of having to take a hiatus uh, on unbeknownst to them at the time due to the pandemic and so forth, I, I've kind of wondered if touring has become kind of the same thing where, like, now everyone's kind of been doing it for a little bit. So they're just kind of like, oh same old hat or if they're still in that like i'm really appreciative of of like the life i get to lead and the touring opportunities and getting to connect with people or if they're just kind of over it already or the other side if because everything got taken away and like uh, i think it was alpha wolf just straight up on stage being like it's bullshit bands take or that venues take merch cuts from us like this venue is taking i think 25 or 30 percent and just like now kind of being like more unapologetically of not afraid to just say things now because it's like they had their whole lives taken away from them for two years oh, and totally. now they're kind of like not willing to deal with any of the bullshit and fight for everything that they've they've worked so hard to to build yeah uh, i definitely think that touring changed a lot of people's perspectives you know once the you know pandemic hit and now coming back to touring after all of it there's definitely a lot of different mindsets i think everyone's in but for us personally we're still like incredibly grateful that we get to be able to do this um and just grateful for anyone who's helped us along the way or like our label or booking agent or and and, you know like merch cuts yeah like no artist wants to pay them it sucks you know when you're like oh i made a decent amount of money and then you know the venue's like oh i need my cut and it's (laughs) like well that sucks but it is just kind of the way we see it it's like it's just the nature of the beast unfortunately and so it's like there's certain you know rules we're going to abide by just to make sure we continue doing this without, you know, obviously like pissing anyone off, especially at the venues, you know, but I don't know. We're, we're still just super grateful that we're able to do this, especially coming out of the pandemic. It's just, we feel lucky. It was only two years gone versus, you know, it could have been a lot worse. Out of, you know, out of curiosity, this, this new record you guys just put out a week ago, how long had you had it done? Um, Because I know a lot of bands, you know, you talk to them and all of a sudden it's like, well, we've had the record done for a while. You know, then the label's like, we want to put it on this quarter around these tours, so on and so forth. Mm -hmm. Again, behind the scenes stuff. But with the pandemic coming, 
you know, a lot of bands had records ready to come out and then had to sit on it and or it allowed them the time to record uh, when they wouldn't necessarily have. So where did this record fall for you guys? Um, it was <laughs> so the pandemic was very shitty for musicians but for this like a uh, particular instance of us recording this record we were already planning on recording the record or starting like working on it when we got back from the tour we did uh with thrice in early 2020 mm -hmm. and so the the world pretty much shut down after that so we're like oh shit well this is gonna be a good time for us to actually start recording because now it's a great excuse for that to be the only thing we can do so no we uh we didn't really start working on it until the pandemic but we finished mixing it and pretty much getting mostly everything done probably like September of last year. And then we had to send it off for mastering and then, you know, artwork and do all that stuff. But the record's been pretty much done for like a year. But we did want to release it in the fall. You know, we definitely believe that like, you know, music uh, corresponds to cer like certain seasons and stuff like that. So we feel like our music is, is very like fall or like winter based. And so we wanted to save it for, for this time of the year to release it, but it was definitely hard sitting on it for that long, knowing it was just done and just, you know, you're like, cool. We put so much work into it. And now we're just going to like, you know, put it in the corner for nine months before we could do something with it. But glad it's finally out. That's for sure. It's uh, it was interesting. I was texting and funny enough, uh, Ryan was on, uh, my buddy Dewey's podcast uh, that just came out this week. So I know oh, yeah. they probably chatted a little bit ago, um, but it was funny. I was, this had been kind of in the works to get someone from the band on for a while and just schedules didn't align for a bit. And then Dewey was like, Oh, you should talk to someone from Holy Fawn. And I was like, I am, I, I need to get back on that email and, and try to make it work. Cause I have some time, but it was interesting. Cause like I texted him last night and listening to the record again, and I hadn't really listened to it in a little while. Cause you know, kind of braggy, we get records before they come out. And then you just kind of become unaware of when records are actually coming out. Cause you're like, Oh yeah, that's the thing I was listening to when I got it like a month ago. Yeah. And so now that the record's out, I finally kind of listened to it um, on my way home last night and here in Michigan, it's been kind of like mid sixties and like super nice. So it's kind of like the perfect, like roll the windows down nighttime driving when I got done with my brewery shift last night. And I had texted him. I was like, this is like kind of the perfect nighttime driving record like for it's cool. And like you said, I, I didn't really kind of correlate it to autumnal kind of season or like a winter kind of vibe, but I was like, mm -hmm. I haven't done the car ride with it. And there's something about listening to music in a car at night where it just sounds better. It feels better. I agree. Yeah. I, I, I always love, uh, you know, driving at night, listening to music. I feel like you can, there's something about like, maybe like the, a slight sense of highway hypnosis and just, you know, it, I don't know. Something like allows you to get more immersed into it. I feel like uh, I always that's but one of my favorite feelings, especially when we're on tours, like listen to music in like the dead of night. Um, but I'm glad you had a <laughs> a nice experience. I guess you know with the windows down, breeze blowing through, uh, you know the hair and everything. Well, I, I even took it a step further, and and this is kind of something I th I think would be a little bit more interesting to talk about since I don't really talk about the record so much, but. So when I got home, part of my routine is to to smoke weed before I go to bed to help me actually sleep because uh, I yeah. don't sleep very well otherwise. And it was kind of interesting because like, you know, the wife's my wife asleep. So I had like my headphones in and it was just kind of really 
felt very cinematic. Um, I kind of got that vibe, sort of like you said. And interestingly enough, you almost—I thought you were going to say "Lost Highway," like the movie, uh, which has a great uh. soundtrack. <laughs> and so it—it it was kind of interesting the way like the album starts off, and and it just feels very cinematic, but it also kind of feels like a soundtrack that would go to like uh, a, like a I don't want to say a murder mystery, but it feels like something like like a thriller of sorts. It, it's very slow moving the pacing of it but then it just like when things happen it just picks up and just kind of takes you and it was so interesting to just kind of sit there literally in the dark in my office where i'm sitting now and just listening to this record and just being like holy shit this is a really a really emotional immersive experience that kind of takes you on so many journeys and i remember at like kind of what i thought was sort of the peak of it at, at points because I wasn't looking at the track listing. I just kind of turned my computer screen off and just let it go. And where I thought the record was almost done, I think it was at sightless. And I was like, holy shit, there's still more. Like I couldn't <laughs> yeah. believe that there was more because a song like empty files and, and you know, death is a relief and lift your head. Like those are kind of five, six, seven minute long songs. And then you kind of hit these few more like quicker paced songs. And then again, sightless comes in, it's almost eight minutes. And so it just kind of takes you on this journey. And it was just kind of really weird that I was like, I wonder if there was any visual things that were influencing you guys when writing this because of how strong the visual representation comes through when you're listening to it. First of all, damn, thank you for all those nice words. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that was really cool to hear. Uh, but I don't know. I mean, subconsciously, I think that there's definitely some imagery that played into certain creative aspects but i don't know if we can name like one thing on the nose like we weren't going for a specific you know like a setting or, or scene or anything like that but um, i definitely think uh, you know you brought up like the kind of like cinematic type of vibe we're, we're a few of us are big like soundtrack dudes or you know like mm. movie busts and stuff and so you know uh, soundtracks are one of the most powerful parts of the movie, I think. I think if you take away a, a good soundtrack from a from a good movie, it's could not be a great movie anymore, you know. Um, and so I think you know, like songs like um, like Sightless, definitely kind of wanted to go for that kind of a vibe, especially in like the beginning with like those type of like eighties uh, synths and stuff in there. Um, and of course, like the, the electronic drums, all like we were trying to capture. I think a little bit of that like eighties thriller, sci fi kind of like horror vibes but kind of like john comforter now that i'm trying to put a name to it yeah yeah i, I mean we're big you know uh johnny carp fans and uh <laughs> especially his like lost <laughs> theme records are so good uh but no i don't i don't think there was anything was like a conscience kind of decision it's more just like well you know what do we feel like for this song and it just kind of went from there but that's cool you had a uh, some imagery like that that's really neat to hear well and it's it's funny because i feel like you know, I've kind of talked about how I've sort of fallen out of love of listening to music from doing the show for almost six years and music becoming sort of work. Like, you know, if I get a record and I have to talk to a band person about it, I felt this like sense of dread kind of like where it's like I have to listen to this record and I have to find something uniquely mine from a perspective to then talk about because you're doing a press junket and everyone's getting the same material and we're all going to ask the same form of questions. And it was just like, I kind of hated music for a while because it was just like, I'm not listening to this for any sense of like fun. It was work. And 
it's been interesting to kind of re be getting back into music and listening to stuff that's new and not feeling like it's work. But like I said, taking it in, in different, different ways, um, you know, something sometimes I, like I said, driving with it sounds different when you're in a car, it sounds different when you're listening to it daytime versus nighttime, you can get different vibes, smoke some weed. Maybe you'll find something. And a different thing I like to do sometimes too, is hit shuffle on a record and just see, maybe a record or a song that you're like, I don't really like this one. It makes no sense. You hit shuffle. It comes on with something else. And you're like, Oh, well that just unlocks something new in how it presents itself to me now. And I feel like it's, it's so interesting to be able to take in music so differently like that and have different experiences with the same set of music and the same, same thing, because I, I can't really think of many other things you can do that can have that many different outcomes and perspectives just based on how you're intaking it. Hey, all right, cool. We're back in business. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta love technology. Holy shit. <laughs> yeah. No, sorry about that. Yeah, my phone, it was like, since I was using like the Safari browser, I think, uh, yeah. for, you know, the the mic and video, it was just like, like overheated and just got like super hot and started wigging out. And I was like, oh God, <laughs> I have a really old iPhone. My phone's ah, like okay. literally seven years old. So, oh, okay. Uh, I'm just kind of due for a new one. But well, anyway. Anyway, uh, yeah, I didn't hear anything you had said uh, after I had said, you know, it's interesting how music, you can take it in a multitude of different ways and it just kind of reveals different things to it, uh, to you about it. Oh, absolutely. I agree. Uh, I mean, just based on like, you know, whatever setting you're in or, you know, uh, even like the mood or you're in or yeah, if you're like, you know smoking weed or you have you know a few beers or whatever it's definitely going to enhance certain aspects of, uh, of the music as well so yeah that's interesting what you were saying about how sometimes you'll like put an album on shuffle and see if like other tracks will maybe like click due to you know being in like a different order or next to other songs that's a really interesting idea like I, I didn't think about before but i think that's pretty neat well i think it allows something that to be, you know, kind of a stupid adage, but, you know, something that's old is new again by doing that because it sort of keeps you on your toes. You don't know what's coming. And it's, you know, it was honestly one of the first times I I'd kind of experienced that and realized like, oh, this is kind of cool how it does this is uh, it was Finch, uh, Say Hello to Sunshine, that record. And nice. there was, I think it's track two, um, the bridge section is the verse guitar line for Ink. And I remember, oh, how I, cool. and I never noticed it, but because it's some, because it played those two songs back to back, I was like, wait a minute. I just, I just heard this riff and yeah, you it heard was that like motif or whatever. Yeah. The, but like, I was like, what the, wait a minute. And like, I had never noticed it because the track listing, I mean, it's not terribly far apart as it exists, but it was just one of those things to hear it back to back so quickly. It was, I was like, that's really interesting. So when I had Nate on the show many years ago, I was like, was that intentional? Was like, are those two songs somehow like connected on a, on a thematic level or, or something like that? And he goes, no, I don't, I don't even think I noticed that it was the same, but like, it might've just been like, Hey, we need a bridge section here. This riff's cool, whatever. And then down the road of working on the record, that became a thing and we just reused yeah. the riff and no one noticed. And I was like, Oh, <laughs> <laughs> so cool it's a little Easter egg there. Yeah. yeah. It's totally weird. But I, I think sometimes too, it just, like I said, it, it allows us as listeners to just kind of take something in and, and maybe not have 
ear fatigue because sometimes you know with longer i don't want to say with longer songs but i would say with longer albums i think that that is a thing is there's fatigue at times and maybe you're just not in the right space to listen to something or take it in totally and i think even just getting older i think sometimes will allow you to listen to things completely differently i i agree with that 100 percent. there's definitely i mean like you're saying like uh you know ear fatigue uh, there's definitely like, you know, records out there that are just like a little bit more challenging to listen to as well, just because there's so much more like information there, or they're just like a little bit, uh, dense, you know, compared to like, you know, some other like easier listening type stuff. So it is interesting how your perspective will like change on those over time. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, you know, something you had said a little bit ago was, you know, that you guys are all kind of film buffs, score buffs and so forth like that. And I feel like, you know, the approach in the band's visuals, uh, I feel like you, and I would assume it's it's kind of a collective that you all have your hands so heavily involved in the visuals and kind of almost, I mean, you just put out a new video the other day and it is a performance video, but I was going to say it almost mm-hmm. seems like you guys tend to kind of remove yourselves from a lot of your visuals and let kind of the music take on another representation another medium another way of intaking the music through the visuals and kind of telling stories in the in and of themselves like is that something you pre-plan out like these are going to be the quote-unquote singles this is kind of the story we want to tell within it to kind of continue on with the story of holy fawn as a whole uh yeah there's definitely a lot of that that's planned um there's also just like a general kind of like a we just try to keep certain things kind of more mysterious and not, uh, you know, referencing a term we used earlier, like, you know, showing behind the curtain or whatever. It's like, same thing with like, you know, I know when Ryan gets asked about like what certain songs mean as far as like lyrics and stuff go, uh, he'll kind of say like, I don't want to explain it. Like it's, you know, it's up to your interpretation. And I think that's kind of like the same thing, you know, it's like removing ourselves from, you know, like a lot of the visual aspect. It's like, you know, well, we can control that, you know, take ourselves out and just kind of remove ourselves and kind of make it seem more open to interpretation or, I don't know, just kind of gives like the listener maybe or viewer, I guess, kind of more to work with uh, in their head, you know, versus, you know, giving them so much on the screen or, you know, um, I don't know. I think just keeping a, a level of mystery is something that's always been kind of important to us, but obviously, you know, uh, eventually our faces will pop up or, <laughs> you know, <laughs> we have to do like a press photo shoot or something. I don't know. But yeah. Well, I mean, this is probably going to be like a really dumb topic to talk about, especially given how long you've been a band. But, you know, I find even the band name to be interesting because for me, it kind of evokes sort of like the merging of like nature and, and, I'll say a religion. I don't necessarily want to put a, a, a specific one on there, but just yeah. kind of this 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 cross section of things that maybe you would think on the surface level don't belong together, but create a really interesting. I mean, even just a name in Holy Fawn, like it's like you know, there's there's obviously like the sacrificial lamb, and and you know, certain animals in religious contexts uh-huh. have different meanings and so forth. But there also seems to be when I kind of think about it in conjunction to the music, almost like this bigger picture of like a lot of hypothetical what ifs like uh, you know and maybe this is the weed talking from last night but like almost like something i've been kind of focusing on a little bit more is sort of this just you know 
things beyond us. Uh, I think a, a good quote that I've been really vibing with lately, uh, Craig from Straight from the Path was like, I think everyone needs to take shrooms or psychedelics because I think you need to be a, more of a passenger in your own life than being the, drive- the driver. And I feel like that's a bigger talking point that I... I I've been kind of working through is almost, I don't want to say like interdimensional travel or anything like that, but just kind of things beyond what we know and, and kind of what is within us. And like I said, I think even like the band name, when I kind of think about it, just evokes a lot of interesting visual ideas and concepts that are pretty open-ended, but I think can lead to a lot of interesting conversation talking points. Yeah, a hundred percent. I think uh, we, we share a very, similar points of view on as far as you know like you know man does not know everything you know there's plenty of things out there that are beyond our comprehension or perception or just you know mental understanding uh and so yeah i think we're we're very influenced by you know uh you know traditional folklore or um some kind of more like uh, esoteric type of stuff or you know especially when it comes into you know like you know, but for instance, you know, dimensional please, you know, the name of the record, it's, you know, we're talking about, you know, different dimensions eventually overlapping and kind of flowing into each other. And, uh, you know, uh, back to your, what you were saying about, uh, uh, your friend who uh, was talking about, you know, psychedelics and saying how you should take, you know, take psychedelics and then be, you know, more of a passenger versus the, the driver. Uh, you know, I definitely think those certain things can open your eyes or at least change your perspective on certain things. And, uh, speaking from personal experience, I know I've had my perception changed by some psychedelic drugs over the years. And uh, uh, I don't know, just makes you think about things a little bit differently and kind of just keeping an open mind. And, um, you know, no one will ever really know all there is to know. So don't pretend like you do. Well, you know, it's kind of interesting you're saying, like, you know, that we we won't really know the full scope of, like, life and so forth. You know, I had a really interesting, again, high thought. Sorry for those that don't smoke and no, don't create all that. Like, up to the hypothetical <laughs> listeners who are like, oh, what the fuck? He keeps talking about smoking weed and listening to this record. Like, it's Pink Floyd, The Wall or something. But, you know, it's, it's <laughs> funny to me. Um, you know, death is a relief. When, I remember when getting the record and kind of hearing that and then thinking about the first time I heard it versus listening to it uh, last night. And I've had this, uh, you know, epiphany in recent years, you know, my wife and I don't want kids. And it's interesting to think about life from the side of things of like, when I die, that's it. I don't have to live my life for somebody else. I don't have to live my life for all these hypothetical what ifs. Like, I don't have to worry about kids I'm not going to have. I, I, I just, you know, to quote Drake, YOLO, you only live once. So, like, live yeah. mm-hmm. the life you want to leave and live. And, you know, death is a relief, you know, in concept. I was just like, when I realized that, like, I get to live my life for me and I don't have to worry about anyone else beside myself and my wife that death as a concept and, and as a, a real thing that will happen to all of us, it isn't scary anymore. It really kind of is an unburdening of cultural responsibilities and so forth. And it was just, even listening to the song, it kind of so- sonically and soundtrack-wise almost became this like soundtrack to that thought process that I had years ago where I was like, it feels kind of tense and scary. And then it just kind of, I feel like it just kind of washes away and you're just like left with this, like, 
All right. Mm-hmm. Now, now where do we go? Coincidentally enough, again, high thought maybe, lift your head. I now had this like kind of somber thought that kind of usually maybe burdens people to like where they, they don't get to enjoy a life. And then once I came to the realization that I did, I get to lift my head. I get to appreciate everything around me more than I would have and maybe more than others. Damn, that was a really good take on that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, when it comes to, you know, death, I mean, I, you hit the nail on the head as far as, you know, kind of just when you reach, you know, the end of your life and, uh, you know, you, you have those like societal burdens that would have been dealing with your entire life and it, it eventually be nice to not have to have those weigh on you anymore, whether it be something you know, simple, like, you know, just financial burdens or, you know, emotional burdens, you know. Uh, I think there's a lot of different ways you can look at just even the title, like, death is a relief, and you can perceive it in kind of a multitude of ways. And and I think individually in our band, we kind of all have our own viewpoints on what that means to us, you know. But, oh, sorry, someone just said something. Uh, no. <laughs> oh, no, sorry. No, we're I thought someone was talking to me. No, we're okay. Nope. <laughs> Sounded like me toward the end of the things. Like where I, I think that's kind of the other thing too that gets kind of funny when you're at a certain point, like when you're high listening to something, and especially like I have a I'm not plugging this necessarily, but I have those uh, new Beats uh, like um, noise canceling like in ear headphones, uh, the Beats Pros. Oh, cool. And mm-hmm. it becomes one of those things because it literally shuts out everything around you. Sometimes when you hear something, you're like, is this like really like in the song somewhere? Like, am I somehow in my super highness and super like hyper awareness? Am I catching something that's just like the 13th layer of a guitar track that like I'm suddenly fixated on because I noticed a random note or something in the background? Or is it something that I'm Mm -hmm. picking up from something else that's, you know, around me or whatever? But it's just some frequencies like playing off each other to kind of give you that like phantom yeah thing you're hearing yeah yeah i I have those thoughts all the time when i'm listening to stuff like that too (laughs) you know out of curiosity and and maybe ryan gets this more than you know the rest of you guys but with this with with what you guys do collectively where it you know it's it's kind of creating a vibe a mood it's creating kind of you know like we've said multiple times kind of a, a soundtrack to things um do you get a lot of like heavy, like kind of like I've been doing heavy lyrical or thematical things that people come up to you and tell you what their music, what your music actually is is about from their perspective. Oh, sorry. Can I? I think you broke up there for a second. Oh, I was just uh, just asking, like you know, with with basically the the vibe of the band and and that you kind of create a soundtrack for a lot of people. Do you have? Do you guys get a lot of people coming up to you going, "Oh, this song means blank," or you know, kind of. I don't want to say dumping, but just kind of bringing big, big concept ideas to you guys and just kind of uh, maybe the interesting things of where people interpret your music coming from. Oh, yeah, that happens, I would say, more often than, I don't know, maybe not. It's Because it's so, like, up for interpretation and because, you know, Ryan especially doesn't like to, like, explain lyrics. And I'm a big fan of that as well. Uh, you know, I think, like, lyrics shouldn't be viewed as, you know, instructions. It should be viewed as, like, you know, uh, an opportunity to imagine or something like that. Um, and so, yeah, people will come up with, like, all these different meanings for some of our songs and say, oh, I like how it's about this. And you're like, oh, well, that's interesting. That might not have been <laughs> what we 
thought it was about, but we're glad you think so, you know? And, like, uh, like I said earlier, like, you know, a few of these songs, I think even just, like, us in the band, it, like, we all have different interpretations of the same, you know, lyrics, of the same music. And I think just everyone, you know, feels music a little bit differently in, in a more unique way. And so it is interesting to hear certain people's takes on songs, especially when they have, like, a strong, like, uh, view of it. It's it's really cool because it, it also, like, opens our eyes. We're like, oh, I've never thought of, you know, that song that way. But that's an interesting perspective. And I think I might, you know, look at it like that here on out, you know. Um, but, no, that's the beauty of music. It's all interpretive to the listener. <laughs> You know, I know you just put out this this record like a week ago, and so I'm not saying like, okay, I'm done with it, like the typical fan thing. Like, I've already breezed through this in like a week, and I know everything about it. Because again, like I said, you can take this music in so many different ways, and as you get older, things reveal yeah. themselves to you differently. But something I always I do find interesting, and I've kind of wrestled not wrestled with this concept, but I've been thinking a lot more about it is how art uh, and artists live in a interesting time where they the things that they're experiencing now are what informs the next thing they're going to put out, record, whatever. And then, you know, obviously it's going to take some time to get it pressed and, and ready for release. So by the time you drop a record, you know, you have already kind of moved on from everything that inspired what you're doing. But that said, I know musicians are constantly creating. So mm -hmm. what are you guys already creating something else? Are you already writing new things potentially that will be the impetus for the next Holy Fawn record? Um, at the moment, hard to say. We're always working on stuff individually and you know as a whole. Um, we haven't been working on so much the past couple of months just because we've been prepping for you know touring and, and playing some of the new record live and all that. We're still focusing on dimensional bleed a lot to where I don't think we're going to actually sit down and start hashing out any like concrete ideas for maybe the remainder of this year, maybe, but who knows, you know, inspiration kind of just strikes at <laughs> random times. So uh, we'll see. But as of right now, no, we're not necessarily working on the next LP or EP or project at the moment. We're just focusing on dimensional bleed and just trying to, you know, uh, treat it with uh, as, as much time and energy as we can yeah it's uh it's always interesting because i i think that's kind of the interesting thing about how sometimes you know there are bands who will write something very seemingly very quickly after releasing new like a new album or new music and mm -hmm. it kind of makes you realize that it's like oh you don't just exist in these like time stamps of an album and then it's like you do nothing <laughs> between then until yeah. it's like all right it's time to punch the clock go into a studio and just kind of see where we go that it's like you're always writing kind of parts or even being inspired by old song ideas that maybe didn't make the cut and then repurposing them um mm -hmm. interestingly you know i was kind of thinking about this last night as well with you kind of adding more electronic elements into what the band's been doing uh more so on this record is that maybe something I don't want to call it a remix album in, in the traditional sense, but maybe a reimagining is it's that ever been something that you guys have talked about doing with some of the material, maybe not necessarily off this record, but just in general, like revisiting your material and kind of bringing it into a different light with some more, maybe more electronic leaning or acoustic or, you know, a million different ways you could kind of repurpose a song. Absolutely. Yeah. We have a, a few different things that we're kind of mulling around, whether it be, 
uh, a more stripped down version, uh, like acoustic wise, or, or, you know, doing a more like electronic, almost remix based version. Uh, nothing I could really say right now for sure, but there are, those are ideas that we are kind of always playing with. And if we can make something like that work, then I think we definitely will. But as of right now, nothing on the docket. Fair enough. I just, there's a lot of things where I always think it's funny when like, funny is not the right word. I always think it's interesting when a lot of bands do that and they just kind of drop these like reimagined things and it's like either it leans more into an electronic vibe or it leans more into an Mm -hmm. acoustic vibe or doing all these things that you wouldn't expect, but they're all part of the elements that make up what the band does, but they just kind of do something different. And I always think it's kind of interesting to... That process mentally, I have never really been able to figure out, like, how do you take something that you wrote and then go, you know what would be interesting? Let's completely (laughs) redo this in a whole nother way. And you're almost creating a whole new song from something that already existed. And that just kind of blows my mind from a creative standpoint of how you can write two different iterations of of the same song, basically. Yeah, percent. no, I uh, I agree. I love when like a, a band will do like a like a, a remix record you know where they like for instance will they have like other people like individually remix all their tracks and they'll release it because it does kind of you know show that story from a different angle um or like when someone does like a great acoustic version one thing that we've you know been kind of experimenting with most is doing more acoustic versions of some of our songs which has been kind of challenging considering a lot of our music is like very like effect heavy you know whether it be you know with like you know delays reverbs vibes the buzzes stuff like that so when you bring in kind of more you know acoustic instruments you kind of have to rely more on (laughs) you know how to fill the space without you know three delay pedals or you know two (laughs) reverb pedals or whatever so it definitely forces you to kind of you know reinterpret in a completely different way and we are working on stuff like that but uh it is interesting, that's for sure, yeah. Yeah, I think one of the biggest ones for me was the Jay-Z Unplugged were the Roots, and I mean, granted, it's the Roots, so like, I mean, just musicians mm-hmm. on a Killer. whole other yeah. level, but, you know, like the song uh, Big Pimpin', which it's like, there's a mm-hmm. lot of like interesting arrangements in that, but to see how collectively the Roots tackled that to where uh, Black Thought even is like doing the bird calls in the chorus and you're just like you even did the bird call like the ah ah like during the hook yeah it's like i can't believe you have every element of it and then even doing like the table scratching where again black thought just going like with his mouth and doing like beatboxing shit and it's just like to be able to take something that's so produced by machines and bring it back to a human element of like, these are real instruments and we're using literally everything at our disposal to recreate this sound, this sound. Like it's just, it's crazy to see how people's minds work in that capacity. And I always am just fascinated by it. Cause like I said, it's just an interesting approach to something that already existed. I agree. Yeah. And it's a, uh, you know, back to the Jay Z and the roots. I forgot about that. And uh, that is a killer performance. Uh, and I probably will have to listen to it soon. But at first I thought you were going to say Jay-Z and Linkin Park when they did oh, yeah. that, that yep. collab album. That's, yeah. that's okay. You, you know, uh, I was kind of going into that jokingly, but that's also <laughs> a good uh, reinterpretation of some of those songs too. And also a blend of their, their music as well. Um, yeah, I don't know. I know, I know 
some of us in the band aren't so fond of Lincoln Park, so I might stop uh, stop talking about that now. <laughs> uh, not, well, I mean, not to piss off anyone. I I mean the way they did that reanimated album between uh, uh, Hybrid Theory and Meteora, it was you know crazy. Oh, Again, cool. that was kind of the first ones really to see, and I mean they've always done that. Um, and it, mm-hmm. they're one of the few that I, I you can hate on that band all you want, but to, just to see the the level of music musicality uh, represented, oh, I'm totally. probably going to say it's probably led by Mike. Um, but I mean that dude just is an incredible musician. Yeah, that is able to just hear different sonics and different things and pull really interesting ideas out of out of music. I mean, I still talk about how crazy it is when I had the DVD for the Meteora and they showed how they did that uh, chopped and reversed uh, acoustic sample for Somewhere I Belong where, like, where it sounds oh, like swells. Cool. So it was just like Chester playing four chords and then Mike's like, okay, I'm going to mm-hmm. chop that up, put it in a different order because the notes are still going to work. So instead of it being, we'll say, like, A, G, C, D, he makes it, like, D, A, C, G, or something like that. Like, somehow it still works because it's in the same tonality. But then he reverses it so it has that, like, sweeping, like, like, sounds like that. And when you see him do it, you're just like, how the fuck does your mind go, like, that's a cool strumming pattern. I'm going to chop that up, loop it backwards, and reverse it. And, and, And then, like, there's the intro to our song. It's like, really? Really? You okay i have no idea my brain does not work that way <laughs> yeah no i get that and, it, and sometimes i wonder it's like how much of that was uh like you know you're just going into it just doing it like you have no idea what it's going to come out like or do you think you know like he knew exactly how that was going to happen he wasn't just playing around he was like oh no this is exactly what i'm going for you know it's two different sides of it where it's you know it wasn't 100 percent intentional for it to sound like that or is it more of just experimenting and it ended up sounding like that. Um, but I love seeing the behind-the-scenes stuff like that as well. I didn't know that they had uh, a Meteora DVD, and I'm yeah. going to have to look out for that next time I'm at a record store. That sounds cool. Yeah, it came, came with the CD like back when you still bought like those multiple oh, yeah, like, like the, deluxe like editions. Like deluxe editions, yeah. Yeah, yeah but I'm cool. sure it's on YouTube somewhere. But um, out of curiosity, sure. kind of my last question for you, since I know you got to go. Um, is there kind of a happy accident uh, like that on this new record where maybe the intention was one thing and it became something different once it was recorded? Um, hmm. That's hard to say because we have, uh, on each song, there's like 100 to 120 tracks. So there's <laughs> always, there's a lot of stuff that we were just kind of experimenting with until we got something that we were happy with, you know? Uh, off the top of my head, I don't know of any happy accidents per se. I know there's definitely a lot of experimenting going in there. We're more so just like, you know, um, like at my house or Ryan's house or Austin's place, we all kind of have like, you know, random instruments and knickknacks laying around that, oh, you know, for instance, this one, and um, I think it's in uh, Empty Vials during the middle part. Um, <laughs> Austin was like hitting this box with some like butter knives and we <laughs> mic'd it up and just like bit crushed it and kind of EQ'd it. And we're like, oh, that's going to be a cool kind of texture for there uh i don't know if it's necessarily a happy accident but it was just something where we're like well we feel like we need something kind of in that that frequency range or like that type of like uh you know rhythm to where we're just like kind of experimenting and ended up yeah he was just hitting a box with some butter knives and drumsticks because <laughs> we didn't have any drumsticks where we were tracking at that time and uh and just made it work and now it's in there and it's pretty audible it's not like a hidden track or anything but <laughs> no i don't know I, I think when it comes to creating you know uh 
happy accidents are always welcome and experimentation is a hundred percent necessary. Um, but yeah, I guess this will be cause you actually in talking about tracking and so forth and having so many literal tracks on each song, is it hard to figure out how to then take what you've done on a record where you're filling space and creating so many textures and so forth sonically, is it hard to then duplicate that as best you can for the live setting? Because you're not able to have, you know, 30 tracks of all these delayed reverb pedals and so forth going at one time. You have to kind of figure it out with what you literally have to recreate it live. Is it, is it a bit of a challenge? Uh, yeah, it's definitely been, there's been a few challenging things trying to figure out how to translate these songs the best we can live. Originally, we didn't really when we were writing this record and recording it, we didn't really care about how it was going to happen live because we were recording it during the pandemic. And so we honestly didn't even know the next time we were going to play a show. And so we're like, well, let's not make a record for playing live. Let's make a record for just making a record, you know, and we'll figure out the rest later. And so uh, the past few months has been us kind of going through, um, you know, our newer songs and trying to figure out, okay, what, you know, what guitar parts do I want to play here? Or like, um, kind of what do we need to follow? What do we need to, you know, kind of put into, you know, our, our, you know, backing tracks, you want to call them that, you know, we have extra percussion and synths and stuff going through there just to help fill it out. But, you know, when we play it live, there definitely isn't, you know, every track going, you know, that that's the same on the record. So we do have to kind of alter it, um, to fit a live setting. Um, but I think that's also nice, you know, I, I like if I was going to see a band, I would, I don't want it to sound just like, I want this different. I want to have like a different kind of energy. And that's been our approach too, is, you know, it's a good thing if we don't sound like the record, you know, obviously, you know, we don't want to sound worse than the record, but <laughs> we just want to sound different. You know, we just want to go into it with a different energy. And I think that's, uh, you know, the biggest thing we've been working on, how to treat these songs the best we can live without sounding like, you know, we're playing, you know, like a sterile computer or something. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, I think, I think that's the thing about what you've done and on this record especially is it, I don't know, I think, as I've said kind of the whole time, it, it's about taking in and having different experiences with the same art, and I feel like that's what you guys mm-hmm. have done is found different ways through music videos, through the records, presumably, as you just said, through the live show, and doing it to where you're you're representing yourself in different ways while still keeping it unique and interesting for each version of the songs that exist in that they all exist for a reason. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, yeah. I, I don't know. Even myself, I've heard this record a million times, especially, you know, cause me and Austin did a lot of the mixing on it. There's been a lot of late nights where you kind of sit and you listen to it so much, but even now, like we listened to it the other day for the first time in a long time, just to kind of see how it holds. <laughs> there's things that I'm still, I'm like, oh, I forgot we put that in there. Or, you know, in different environments, you'll hear different things. Like you were saying earlier about, you know, how you have your headphones on, you can hear like that weird guitar part or, you know, something in the background. And uh, the one thing that we really wanted to do with this record is definitely put a lot into it to where you can listen to it multiple times and still try to find something new. Um, And that's still even happening for us, the people who (laughs) recorded it and mixed it. We're still finding new things even after it's been out. So. That's awesome. Keeps the it, keeps it fresh music. for everything. Yeah. yeah. 
Well, uh, I'll yeah. let you go and uh, get back to making the rest of your way to the show tonight. And uh, thank you for the time, in spite of all of the the headaches and hassles the of uh, yeah. the technical aspects of it. Um, thank you very much, and and I'm looking forward to hopefully uh, more touring from you guys, uh, so I can actually see you instead of having to make like a weird Sophie's choice where I'm like, ah, do I see a band I want to go see, or do I want to go see a band I, I've never seen and may not get to. You know, just it's the reality of the situation and, and kind of going back to like what I was saying about, you know, life and death and all these kind of things is sometimes you have to make choices where you're like, you understand that potentially this band is old. They don't really tour a whole lot, especially non-festival mm-hmm. dates. And so to see them, it's like, this might be it. Uh, I've I've definitely have made choices like that before and, and not gotten to see bands and then through unfortunate situations of members passing or whatever um Mm -hmm. just becomes one of those things you're like "Ah, i really wish i would have um and i try to live my life with with as few of those kind of feelings as possible because like i said i got the one life and want to like leave a fulfilling full uh life behind when you're done absolutely all you can do is all you can do and uh you know when presented with a choice like that i totally side with you uh you know if this might be you know your only opportunity to catch this group for a while then definitely we will always be around we're going to be touring for a while hopefully unless you know something tragic happens uh but anyways uh <laughs> no we'll, we'll we'll be touring hopefully through michigan uh at least once or twice within the next year we'll be back so we'll hopefully catch you again yeah absolutely but well, thanks for having me on it's been an absolute pleasure to talk and yeah sorry about the crazy shitty iphone technical difficulties <laughs> we had but i'm glad we we're able to finish our conversation yeah uh this is a good chance for everyone to uh go pick up the new record so you can afford the new iphone 14 <laughs> yeah yeah don't be using an iphone 6 like i'm using Please listen to it on something better <laughs> <laughs> enjoy the rest of your day and we'll be in touch soon awesome sounds good we'll see you yeah. later yeah, bye-bye. Bye. So that was my conversation with Evan Phelps, again, of Holy Fawn. Their latest record, Dimensional Bleed, is out now. It is a phenomenal record. I can't speak highly enough about it. Uh, also, no pun intended, but pun intended, you don't have to be high to enjoy this record. You don't have to be on anything to enjoy this record. It stands alone as a great record. Um, but I do, like I said, and, and like we were talking, it is interesting to, to kind of take in music from a different perspective and life from a different perspective. I think that's what allows things to grow and to grow with us and for us to grow as people is when you are able to try new experiences, try new things. And it's, it's definitely something I'm trying to do and introduce into my own life. Uh, I am at times very particular. I like my things a certain way and I am really trying to step out of my own comfort zones because as you heard me say in the Dan Terry episode on the intro in that, um, that's where growth happens. That's where we start growing. And if you're not growing, then basically you're stagnant. And I think that kind of just leads to complacency. And, you know, I know as I get older, that's that's really a thing I don't want. Um, actually, I was talking with a potential guest uh, to come on the show. And I said that that was something that I really wanted to talk to them about uh, was doing something new so late in life. And, you know, just this kind of mentality of like, oh, you're never too old to keep learning, to keep growing and, and to expand what you know. And that, you know, thinking about yourself beyond who you are and what you're known for. So um, it's kind of a fun thing. And I also want to say I really appreciated everyone kind of uh, a couple of people reaching out uh, over the last two episodes where I kind of didn't talk about the crux of the actual interview or the chat. I talked about things I'm doing. 
um, some experiences I've gone through. You know, that's why I thought it would be funny to tell the, the how high I got story the other day, not to brag or be like, oh, I got fucked up, but like, like just the thoughts in my head because that's not a normal experience for me. So like, you know, here's a little bit of humor and, and it's not always like deep and philosophical, but it also kind of ties back to, you know, what we were talking about in the chat. Um, all of that said, if you like keep up with Evan, you can find him over at, actually the only thing I could find Evan on was actually on Instagram. And that was at stone cold Evan Kevin. Uh, if you like keep up with Holy Fawn, you can find them on Facebook at Holy Fawn, Instagram at Holy Fawn, and Twitter at Holy underscore Fawn, or simply go to HolyFawn.com and you can get all of your Holy Fawn merchandise, tickets, everything you would want. Uh, go check out their music videos and everything. Uh, they put a lot of effort and work into their music and everything that accompanies the band. So support those guys. Also, if you'd like to keep up with the podcast, it's simple enough. Bruce Speak Pod on all of your social medias. I mean, hell, if you were to follow me on Instagram, the podcast that is, you would have seen that I was drinking a beer out in the middle of the day and enjoying a local sumo competition. I uh, had no idea that we even had local sumo people, had no idea that was a thing, just happened to stumble across it uh, with my wife and a friend and thoroughly enjoyed it. So you can see that. Uh, I've gotten a few comments <laughs> about us having local sumo, and I said, sure, it's a thing, I guess. I had no idea. Um, but you'll get to see some of the, the random going-ons of what I do uh, when I'm out and about. Uh, as well as podcast-related things. Um, all of that said, if you would like to keep up with our sponsors who continue to support us week in, week out, episode in, episode out, you can do such by following Rockabilia on all socials. We always tag them. Uh, go to rockabilia.com, use our code BRUTALLY at checkout, take 10% off your total purchase order. On Point Palmade, keep your beard and hair looking on point, especially with the holidays fast approaching. Use our code BSB15 at checkout for 15% off your total purchase order. And last but not least... Bean Bastard, go to TheBeanBastard.com, pick up some delicious coffee, handmade soaps, candles, so many things. And if you go to their brick-and-mortar store in Buffalo, New York, go check them out. Support them if you can. means a lot to us. And for the Brutally Speaking Podcast, I am John, and I will see you next episode where our guest is Rory from Dayseeker. That was a fun one. Really excited to get into that one with you. Until next time.